up, guys? Thanks for joining me. This is Perfectly Imperfect, an unscripted journey. And I am your host, Abby McDonald. Thanks so much for pressing play. I truly appreciate it, guys. I hope that you were able to catch the first episode. This second episode truly means so much to me. My husband will be joining us. Hey, babe. Hello, everyone. (laughs) And we're just going to be talking about some of the things that honestly brought us together. We both struggled with addiction, and I would love for Tim to just tell you a little bit about himself, his struggles, and how he got to where he is today. Then I'm sure that we'll have a little back and forth, but Tim, Always a little back and forth, (laughs) always, always. (laughs) Yeah, so my name's Tim. Uh, Many of you know me as Abby's husband. Uh, That's my, my better known name, so. Uh, just to kind of give you a little background on myself, from a, uh, I grew up down in Cincinnati, well, just outside of Cincinnati in Lawrenceburg, Indiana, little little town down there, uh, better known for their whiskey of Seagram's, but grew up in a, a big family, so a big, big Catholic family, one of seven kids, I'm the fifth of seven, one of three boys, so smack dab in the middle of four girls, which has kind of uh, prepared me for my life today, that's, that's kind of uh how things are in my life, you know, things that happened previously start showing up today and how life just kind of falls into place the way that it's supposed to. I grew up down just outside of Cincinnati, great family, very loving family. You know, we're also still very, very close. And I know that's something Abby and myself have, have in common. We have wonderful families and uh, we're very grateful for that. But I grew up down there, had a very normal childhood never asked for anything, never needed anything. You know, life was really, really good for me. Pretty early on in my life, you know, 12, 13, 14 years old, started getting into, you know, the normal shit, you know, drinking, started smoking weed at like 14 years old. You know, I had no idea what I was doing. I remember thinking back on like the first time I smoked weed and I thought I was supposed to actually just smoke the seeds and stems. So that tells you how much I knew about that stuff at that time. I just knew like early on, uh, you know, I had a very normal childhood, but I always felt like something was missing. I always felt like something was a little different, but I could never really put my finger on what that was, right? Like I never knew what that missing feeling inside me, what that was. Never really had like that tr- traumatic childhood, you know, things like that. So, you know, a lot, I know a lot of folks have that. Um, a lot of folks, especially like through addiction and you hear these stories and like, remember when I first got clean that was one of my things was like I didn't have that fucked up childhood I didn't have that fucked up family um so why was I the way that I was and it really doesn't really come down to that you know it just happens that to be those things happen more times than not but myself you know I've come to realize today that that's not doesn't have to be part of everyone's story so Got into high school. A big part of like my my story is being homeschooled. <laughs> so I was actually homeschooled up until my junior year of high school. Even before that, I was kind of like the black sheep of like that homeschool community. And always, even so I w- didn't fit in with the kids that went to school because I was homeschooled. I didn't fit in with the kid, a lot of the kids that were homeschooled because I was the bad kid. And that just kind of led me, kind of pushed me more towards like, what is so fucking wrong with me? guy I was kind of a cute kid and it just didn't really felt I didn't really feel like I was wanted in a lot of places so yeah kind of when I got to school I finally you know I, I conned my parents 
into sending me to school finally. Junior year, I was like, hey, I got to play football. I got to play football. I got to play football. Went to school, played football my junior year. Didn't play my senior year because life kind of took a different path. So I started, uh, by that time I was, you know, smoking weed every day, drinking every weekend, um, got into school and, you know, that's when I found out about pills and, you know, different things. It was really big, you know, clodopins and, you know, all that stuff was real big in high school then. And I remember when I, that first time I like that I actually got high and not just smoking weed, you know, when I actually got high the first time, I was like, whew, I kind of feel full. I feel whole. Right. You know, every time when I went to, when I went to parties and I would get drunk and I would get high, I'd, you know, I, I had that confidence finally. You know, I wasn't that shy kid anymore. I was the one that was, you know, talking to everybody, having fun. And, you know, that, that, that personality that I always wanted to let out came out. That stuff quickly changed. Yeah. You know, fun guy at parties started ended up being the guy that was pissing his pants, you know, blacking out every time I drank, wanting to fight everybody, you know, totaling four cars, all this other shit that went on in my life. And I just felt like that was okay. So yeah, kind of, you know, progressively things got worse, especially like out of high school, you know, got really bad into pills. Um, and I always told myself, I remember like, this was my one thing I was always like, I'm not an addict. I'm not, I don't have a problem because this person's worse off than I am. Right. I'm not sticking a needle in my arm. I'm not, I'm not doing heroin. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I'm better than, right. So as long as someone was doing worse than I was, I didn't have a problem. Things got, went downhill fairly quickly. I did. I think, how old was I? I think it was 18, 19. The first time I went to rehab. And I'll never forget that. After I finally found that that fix of like making me feel whole, you know, you do that for so long, you realize you're just so fucking empty. Yeah. And I had stolen everything that I could steal. I could I've done everything that I could, conned everyone that I could have. I was out of shit, couldn't get any more money. And I finally was like, all right, I need help. In that desperate moment. Yeah. 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 It was like, not that I really wanted help. Right. No, I know what you mean. Not really that I wanted help. I just knew like, hey, I don't really have any other options right now. Right. You know, I told my dad like, hey, I need some help. And they ended up getting me into a place, you know, they were going to send me to this place in Cincinnati. I was like, nope, not going there. looks like a jail. Not for me. I'm way better than that. <laughs> yeah. That ain't happening. Yeah. So for a week, I actually, you know, my parents kind of kept me locked up in the house. Wasn't allowed to go anywhere. Wasn't allowed to see anybody. I detoxed on her couch. I, you know, was shitting myself, puking, like awful, awful detox. Finally got into a place. It was like a week later. I'm already, you know, I'm already detoxed. Getting into this place, stupid. It was like, you know, this high-end luxury place, yeah. Tempur-Pedic mattresses, <laughs> eating lobster tail and fucking, you know, whatever else you wanted. It was like the passages of Ohio. You know, I went there, um, wasn't a bad place, right? I just, it just wasn't, I wasn't ready. You know, I stayed, went there, I, I got clean, stayed clean for a while, ended up actually moving down to Tennessee and going into a sober living down there. I was clean for like six months, moved out on my own. First time really on my own, got my own apartment, had a roommate, 
And literally within like three weeks of me having my own place, I was like, yeah, I, I never, I never had a problem drinking. <laughs> yeah. Every time I drank, I'd black out, piss my pants, you know, but I didn't have a problem. Yeah. Yeah. That, that wasn't what, what my, that wasn't my problem. So I ended up, you know, three, like three weeks after moving in on my own, started drinking a week, like two weeks later, I'm drinking almost every single day. Within a month of me starting to drink, I was doing heroin again. Oh yeah, because that's what you really wanted. Exactly. <laughs> and to, up to that point, I'd never I'd never used a needle. Up to that point, I'd yeah. never used a needle in my life because that was, if I did that, I really had a problem. I mean, literally within like two months of being, you know, six months clean, to then drinking within two months, I had a needle in my arm. Within three months, I had lost a job that I was making really good fucking money. I, I was making really good money. I lost my job, lives were getting shut off. I had nothing in my apartment, like nothing, yeah. right? Like I had no people around me, I had no one there. It was like, I remember looking around going like, how the fuck did I get here again? Like, how the fuck did I get here again? And that was, you know, within like three months, right. had nothing. So again, I call mommy and daddy. Hey, I need help. I need to get somewhere. All right, we'll come, you know, can you make it up here? Do you have enough money to get back to Cincinnati? So, you know, my dad, my my brother-in-laws, they come pack the shit up, get back to Cincinnati. I don't, I don't even know what happened to that lease. You know, <laughs> I still to this day have no idea. But get back to Cincinnati and, you know, start doing all the same shit. Nothing stopped. I continued to do what I was doing and did that for probably another year and a half. You know, things really caught up. I gotten to the point where I was really, really just, I wasn't me. I was just a shell of me. I was a shell of a person. You know, my family didn't want to be around me anymore. My nieces and nephews were scared of me. You know, I wasn't like people wanted me at family stuff, but they also were scared because oh, yeah. they they didn't know what kind what was going to happen. What mood I was going to be in? Is my shit going to be safe? Do we have to leave the purses in the car? You know that kind of stuff. And I like it's so funny looking back, like how how I felt like that that was okay, you know, and thinking like this is a normal thing. But I actually ended up so what kind of got me to the point where I got clean was like uh you know i'd been arrested a few times here and there never really spent any time in in jail but i'd gotten arrested actually this was back when i was like in 16 17 i'd gotten arrested for uh burglary and they ended up giving me just like probation and stuff because i was you know the age that i was but that was kind of hanging over my head i ended up getting a possession charge and then out of all the shit i was pawning you know, to pawn shops and, and things like that finally came back to me. A detective actually had reached out to my parents and uh, said, hey, we think we got something that, you know, belongs to someone there. I guess they could, I, I really don't know the whole situation with it, but the, the way that it was explained to me was more along the lines of like, hey, you're going to go get help or we're going to press charges and not only is that burglary charge going to come back up, but also is this theft and these other things. And I had uh, potentially, you know, 10 to 15 years right. hanging over my head. And I'm way too pretty to be in prison, yeah, you, right? You I'm, I'm way too pretty. 
Uh, I'm definitely not funny enough to make it in prison. So you got to be like, you know, either tough, big or fun. You know, I don't really have any any of the attributes there. Again, kind of ran out of all my resources. Right. Again, had didn't have any more shit to steal. Didn't have any more people to fuck over. Didn't didn't have any more. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'll go. You know, I was working at B-dubs at the time. I was making fantastic money. Um, I was like, I'll go. You know, I'll go get every, get my parents off my back, get this detective off my back. Yeah. Like, I'll just go. I'm going to go for detox, and then I'm leaving. Mm-hmm. I should have a check coming in two weeks. I'll be good to go. So got to, got to treatment, the one that looks like a prison, because uh, my parents were like, fuck that. We're not paying any more money. Here's 20 bucks. We're getting your ass in. Right? Uh, The way down there to treatment, I'll never forget. So I had to get high that one last time, right? Like I had to. Figured out a way. I know. That sucks. (laughs) I was really upset about that for you. But I had to get that one more high, right? And uh, we were supposed to leave, be there at a certain time. I can't remember the exact time or anything. But I had to go get that one more high. I went and got the shit, brought it back to the house. We were already, I mean, we were already like half hour late. My dad's beating on the door. Tim, we got to go. We got to go. Like, hold on. I'm naked. I got to do this. You know, whatever excuse I could come up with. And I did every, like, I did everything that I could. Like, everything. And off we went. And on the way down to treatment, I'll never forget, like, the look on my face. The defeated, just how beat up my dad was. Right? Like, you could just tell that he was at the point where he was like, either this works or I'm probably not going to have a son anymore, you know? And he was so pissed off that we were so late because he's like, what if I don't get him in there? Mm-hmm. You know, what if, what if my son doesn't make it? And he started, he, you know, he's hitting the steering wheel. He was just so upset because he's like this is the opportunity this is a chance whether it works or not we're gonna have some relief where we don't have to fucking worry you know we don't have to worry about them every day every night so we we got there good thing we knew somebody in there <laughs> we ended up i'm thinking we we're like an hour late for what we we're supposed to be there and uh but i ended up you know we got in i don't really remember a whole lot of like the first three days because i was you know obviously come down off of what I was doing it was medical detox which was sweet so I was really happy for that and I went in there uh, beautiful beautiful 120 pounds 123 pounds looking fantastic just malnourished as fuck you know had a nice neck beard that was about all I had at the time couple strands couple strands here and there you did you had a nice little mustache. <laughs> begging for dear life to stay so I stayed there again. I was like, I'm staying for detox. I'm out dipping. You know, I just want it to look good when I go back to court. Yeah. That's all I really need. You know, I met some really good people in detox. Some of those people aren't with us anymore. You know, some of those people that we were there with, you know, they made the decision to go back out and whether they died from an overdose or just from the lifestyle, you know, a lot of those people aren't with us anymore, but a lot of those people saved my life. There's one, one, one dude in particular that he knew my plan and, you know, we, he had just gotten out of detox and we still like some of the detox go to some of the same meetings and things like that while you're in detox, like after you were like three or four days or something like that. 
I remember telling this dude, like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be out of here in three days. You know, three, four days, I'm gone. And this dude's like 6'3", you know, 280. And, you know, I, <laughs> I'm not a big man by any means, <laughs> right? Yeah. And uh, he goes, Tim, if you walk out that door, I'm going to beat your ass on the way out. I will beat your fucking ass on the way out that door. You can leave, but you're going to be hurting when you leave. And uh, while I was in, you know, while I was in there, you know, my parents were still, you know, sending me cartons of cigarettes and shit, you know, because my mom, she'd never leave. (laughs) My mom loves me so damn much that, you know, just enabled the shit out of me for for so many years because she didn't know any better, you know? As a lot of parents. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, there, I wasn't allowed to go back there. It wasn't like I couldn't, but they were like, Tim, you know, you need to find something else, right? Like we need a fucking break. Um, so I was like, shit, I don't know where I'm going to go. I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, and I had this really amazing counselor at that, you know, in that treatment center and just changed my perspective on a lot of things. So it was like, what, what, what is this going to hurt? Right, like you're gonna get out, you're gonna get this hundred and fifty dollars from B Dubs, you're gonna go use it in you know less than a day, and then what? Yeah. Then what's your plan? Uh, and I never really thought beyond that next high that most of us do. You know, it's like, hey, I just need to get that next fix. I'm and I'm cool. And I was like, fuck it. You know, what's the worst that's gonna happen? You know, I don't really want to stay clean. Like I'm good now, so fuck it. I'll stay for a little bit. You know, that little bit turned into 30 days. That 30 days then was like, hey, you're going to get out of here. What are you going to do? Are you going to go back to doing what you were doing before, living with your living with your parents or living on your own? You know, what's your plan? And I remember someone, people would bring meetings into that facility. And there was a lot of guys that came in from this one one place in particular. And nobody wanted to go there because it was, there were so many rules. Right. So many rules, so many restrictions. Everyone was like, no, don't go there. You're not going to have any fun. Like, so I started talking to people about different places, different sober livings, different things. And that, that counselor that I, that I had there when we were, we were talking one day and again, he like to me, Mac, what the fuck are you going to do? So all the places I wanted to go, right. All the places I wanted to go, they're all full. Nobody could get me in. The only place that had any openings, and it wasn't even going to be for like two weeks after I got out, was the one place nobody wanted to go to. I remember going there, I did a visit, and it was not what I expected at all. Um, Not in a good or bad way. It was just like, I'd never really, like the only experience I had was this place in Tennessee that was like, I mean, you were in an apartment complex, and there was like, you know, 150 dudes throughout this apartment complex, right? So it was this one house, you know, big house, 15 guys there and some old ass couches some dirty ass carpet, mismatched dishes. And you could just feel something though when you walked into that place, like it just felt, you felt okay. You felt calm. You felt like this would, this was where I was supposed to be. Yeah. So I ended up going to this place again, put time limitations. I'm going to be here for six months. I'm getting out. I gotta go, you know, six months. That's it. I was there for 18 months. I was there for 18 months. I think now to this day that I'm still like the third longest oh, yeah. resident yeah. at that place. Cause I was just scared. I didn't know what the fuck to do. 
right? So that kind of brought me, you know, in, into recovery. And that was the nice thing about this place was like, it didn't just, it wasn't a sober living. Most places it's like, hey, if you don't use, we're going to drug test you every once in a while. If you don't use, it doesn't fucking matter, right? You're cool as long as you don't use. That was all they really cared about was most places. This place was like, all right, you're going to go get a, you're going to go to a, get a sponsor. You're going to meet this many meetings. You have a requirement for this many meetings. You're going to write something after these, like what you've learned. Like morning meditation. And morning meditation every single day, evening meditation every single day. And while for the first 30 days that you're in there, you have to be at every one of them. There's no exceptions. And it felt like, like when you go in, it's like, oh my God, like this is so much. But what it did is it ingrained me into the rooms, right? It took a lot of that thinking on my end because my, my thinking obviously at that point was not great. When I started listening to other people and following direction, like my life took off without my permission. So I started, I just did what I was supposed to do there. So I was going, you know, for the first year and a half of my recovery, I went to a meeting, at least one meeting every day, like the first year and a half because that's all I really knew how to do. Obviously my life got better at that time, but you know, it was that, that first year and a half that really put me in a different spot of like, you know, not just staying, not just getting clean and staying clean, but I started doing H and I, and I was, you know, going into prison, you know, going into jails, taking meetings into jails. I did that every Wednesday for a long time, you know, started doing those things, started sponsoring guys, like started doing the shit that I was like, eh, I'd never fucking do that. Right. And my life just got better. Like without my permission, without me, when I started, you know, taking away what I wanted to do, started taking that, you know, hey, Tim, this is what you should do, whether I fucking liked it or not. You know, because a lot of shit, I was like, it's dumb. It's dumb as hell. It's not going to work. But I'd do it anyway. A lot of times it's just to be able to prove a point like, yo, this didn't work. Fuck you. I told you. Um, and it ended most of the time it ended up working. So I know that was kind of long winded, but that that's kind of, you know, early life through some of that shit. And there's so much more into it, but you know, up until like that early recovery. So I don't know if you want to touch on how we met. (laughs) In the first episode and just saying that, um, which is the truth. We met in treatment and we did become... We fell in lust in treatment. Well, I, I fell in lust. Okay. So, we'll <laughs> say you fell in lust. I definitely fell for you in, in a hard way and thought that we would always be friends, but I thought our age difference was way too much. So, that was something that I was trying to hold to, and I we stayed and remained good friends, even leaving treatment. Yeah. But, yes, yeah. I always was very attracted to you and and loved being around you you make me laugh like no one has ever made me laugh and um yeah i finally i finally gave you a shot you asked me gave me a shot well, I, I had her close before she gave me that shot <laughs> <laughs> but we did we went on a date and and i remember knowing very early on it was special i think that it scared the shit out of me though in the fact that here we are both very newly clean and 
I was so scared of then emotionally getting attached to you and what if this didn't work out? And so I feel like we made boundaries quickly. Abby made boundaries. I followed them somewhere. That's what really happened because, you know, you and I are, we're so different, right? Abby, Abby thinks things, she thinks things through. She's very organized, very detailed. I'm like, fuck it, let's go. (laughs) Right? Like, that's me. That's my, that's how I am as a person. I, you know, I thrive in chaos. Like, that's the shit. I do better than that. You know, me planning and doing, like, now is better, right? Because of you, right? (laughs) But, like, at that time, you know, all I knew is, especially, like, getting clean when we met, there... (laughs) Anyone that's been in treatment, right? You get clean, you're a fucking horn dog. So, and it's been, like, if you're in treatment, you're going to be, you know, if there, there's always going to be at least one attraction. At least one, right? It, it, maybe not more than one, but there's always one, right? And that's all the guys, are like, oh, man, you know, got to try and get their game going. Right. So there was like, I swear to God, there was at least five or six guys that like every day would get their set up. Like, all right, I'm going to sit by Abby. I'm going to do this. Uh, and to be honest with you, like I didn't ever really feel like I had a shot because, you know, obviously the age difference, you know, you're nine years older than me. Yeah. When I got to treatment, I looked like I was like oh, fucking 15. No, it made me feel even creepier. <laughs> <laughs> to you. But we did like, I think what really helped was like, I didn't feel like I had real chance, right? So I was me. It was the first time I had ever like not tried to put up a front, tried to be like the cool guy, the fucking say the right things, do the right things. I mean, we were like very good friends because I I wanted something, but I also didn't feel like it was ever going to happen. So I was like, okay, fuck it. You know, she's going to know me. She's going to know me, all my shit. All my, you know, me being an asshole, I'm, you know, I'm fucking arrogant at times. I'm, you know, all the bad shit that I didn't want someone to see until we were in a relationship, right? Like that's, that was my normal MO was like, be perfect until we're in it. And then, yeah, I'll I'll just be myself and you can kind of deal with it. Right. And that's, and honestly, like same, because I never got completely honest with anybody. I never felt comfortable. So the fact that also I never thought that you and I would have a relationship. I was like brutally honest with you. I remember just laying shit out like, yeah, this happened to me. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like going down the list and like you not really, you know, just accepting it and listening and um, never being judgmental. Yeah, it was just always a great friendship. And then to build off of that and then obviously falling in love and and going even deeper into our relationship it just got so much better because yes it was the first for both of us though we're nine years apart we did shit the same way in relationships you know what i mean like it was just never and we never fully got to be ourselves i feel like in our younger life so being able to do that with another person for the first time in your life it was like i don't want to fucking lose this And I knew that if I ended up putting our relationship over my recovery and staying clean, I was going to ruin everything. So I knew that my recovery had to be separate from yours. And 
And, and that's the only reason it worked because I would have fucking put that relationship over everything, right? Like I didn't care, right? And that's why we make such a good team is like, I don't, I don't think things all the way through all the time or I didn't, right? Like right. I do a lot better at it now, but at the time I was like, fuck, I just want to like, I want to do everything with her, be there all the time, yeah. do all these things like fuck the meetings, fuck this, yeah. right? Like I didn't care really. Um, but you know, you, you kind of set those boundaries like Tim we're going to go to different meetings yeah. right we're not going to talk to the same people like we're not going to do that. and I'm like what the fuck is this like this is this is bullshit like this should <laughs> never happen this is not how it's supposed to be like what the fuck is this uh, but everyone was saying like don't do it don't do it oh, yeah. don't do it yeah. you know we don't get in that relationship with it, you know in the first yeah. year and all. Which, oh, it's great no, advice, I but at totally the end of the day, no, and I and I get that, like I totally do, because most people are like me, yeah. where it's like, fuck it, I don't care about anything else, no, but I, this. I get that, and I because it comes a drug, right? I like, that way too. I just saw something for the first time in you that I didn't want to fuck up, and I'm telling you, in my at this point, I was 31. In my 31 years, I hadn't experienced that. So I did not want to mess it up. But yes, we had everyone back here like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> right. Like, why are you... Why are you guys why? in this relationship? And his family's like, why are you with this baby? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was the biggest thing. Like, my friends were like, he's He's how old? <laughs> he's how old again? I know. Tim, how old is she? But I feel like... <laughs> that continue to watch us grow together and see us, they definitely got it. They understood uh, what, why we were not able to say no, just because we both experienced addiction. We we were not willing to, to just say no to our relationship. So what do you feel like was, was the first real test in our relationship? I know what mine is, but I uh, I mean, the first real, I mean, our whole fucking relationship, honestly, has been a test, but like, you know, and I think like the first real test was probably your, your first hep, hep C treatments, um, you know, kind of going through that way. Well, the diagnosis I, itself. Well, and it wasn't even the diagnosis for me because I'm, which is so weird. I never felt like. Like, even, even though you're still dealing with it today, right? Like, I never felt doom and gloom about it. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe it's different because obviously it's not me. But, like, the even the diagnosis, I wasn't like, oh, my God. There's no help. There's nothing. Like, I wasn't like, I was like, okay, then what are we going to do? Right. Right. What's the next steps? What do we, what do we do? What's the plan? Right. Like I'm the, I'm the guy, what's the plan? Right. I'm yeah. never the one that wants to know a plan. I don't care, but that didn't scare me. Right. Like that didn't worry me as far as like the diagnosis. It was more like, what's the plan? Right. But yeah, I think the treatments to, you know, obviously big challenge for you. And then for me to, to be able to, you know, be there to, to help you through all that and, while living and sober living. While we're living and sober living, you know, um, kind of going through all that. That was the first true test, yeah. you know. Well, and, and 
my first, what I consider our first true test was the hepatitis C diagnosis. Um, just to back up, I got really sick. And I would say that me and him had only been together for about seven months. I don't even think it was that long. No, it was a little less. I think it was like four, five, four or five, something like that. But I got really sick and jaundice and ended up having to go to the hospital and found out that um, I did get Hep C from active addiction. And this was not a huge surprise for me. I was on a suicide mission, as you learned in my first um, episode, and I was sharing dirty needles. And I am so grateful, honestly, that hep C is the only thing that I got from that. But I remember getting that diagnosis and here we are in this new relationship and going, um, you were waiting for me back at the house that me and the girls were living in, in Kentucky. And I walk in and I had this whole thing prepared. I'm walking in and I'm just giving him an out. And I was like, there's no way that this young guy should stay with me. I have this, I have to start these interferon treatments, which are awful. Uh, um, they're just awful. It was awful. I just didn't know how I was going to handle all of it. And I sure didn't want you to have to go through it. And I remember going in there like very melodramatic, you know me, like. No, <laughs> no, you? <laughs> I sit down and I tell you like you know what what was going on and and I'm like this is your out it's over you, I totally understand I want you to find someone younger someone that doesn't have the history that I have and I just remember you kind of looking at me and smirking and you were just like okay are you done like I mean and you still do that today, <laughs> just because it's like I feel the need to get all of this out and then but you right away just just absolutely melted my heart. I just remember you embracing me and saying, we're going to get through this. It doesn't matter. I don't care. I know that, that you're in for a lot, especially with these treatments, but I never once felt like you wanted to leave me or you didn't want to be there or, or it was too much. It was just never, never even made me, you just never made me feel like, like it was anything that I had to worry about. And I just remember that being like, okay, so this could really be it. Like this man is accepting, he's accepting this. He knows my deep, dark secrets. Like what the hell? And he doesn't want to run. So yeah, that, I would say that that was the moment that I thought was going to challenge us. Um, definitely challenged me, but yeah, the treatments. And then we've had definitely other challenges throughout throughout our, our relationship and our marriage. But. Yeah, I think everyone does. Like, obviously, our challenges are some, sometimes different than, yeah. like, normal people, right? Yeah. It's called whatever the fuck that is. But, like, so, like, our challenges are sometimes different, but at the end of the day, like, everyone goes through challenges. Right. Right? Like, I, I think that's where a lot of people kind of fall short is you know thinking like hey if I get in this relationship if I do these things like things are gonna be perfect nothing's gonna change you know the reality of it is is like life life's life you know we don't really have a whole lot of control over like the things that happen to us and there's that saying of like you know life's 90% what happens or what is it 10% what happens to you 90% on how you react yes. and 
you know, it's a fucking, it's, it's such a dumb saying, but it's reality. You know, it's like, if we, if we shy away from challenges, if we should, whether it's in, you know, in relationships in, in business and just life in general, like there's nothing, nothing you're going to accomplish and you're going to be very, very sad and shallow if you don't face those challenges, right? Like if anyone said, oh, we don't have any challenges in our relationship, like what the fuck's really going on, you know? So yeah, I mean, our we've all, we've had challenges and we continue to have challenges, yes. right? Like we're always going to have challenges, but it's just like, how do you react to those? Right. You know, how do you get through those? And, you know, for with our relationship, like that was the first time I had ever, and I still struggle with like having that communication and doing those things. Like it's less time for me now, to where I'm like, I shut down and then start talking. Um, but I'd never done that before. Right. Like even in my family, like when problems come up or we come, it's like sweep that shit. <laughs> right. right. We don't, if, as long as we don't talk about it, it's not a real problem. It's not a real issue. As long as we don't talk about yes. it. Right. Yes. Um, so that's what I learned. And, you know, as we've kind of gone through a lot of these things, it, uh, you know, when you start taking that stuff, and I'm like that, you can't sweep under the rug, right? Like, hey, I have this. I'm going to be going through these treatments. It's going to be fucking ugly. It's going to be nasty. I don't want you to have to deal with it. Like, what kind of man does that make me if I'm like, all right, peace, see ya, right? Let me take this easy way out. Like, it didn't scare me, though. Like, it, maybe that's naive of me. Like, at the I time, it, like, know, like, didn't scare me. It never did. Like, it never scared, scared me. It never worried me. I never any different I never felt any different like it was just all right this is what it is let's deal with it right like this is one let's let's deal with it what's what's the solution what are we doing right Right? but the hardest thing was just seeing you like after those treatments yeah Yeah, because that shit's gross like that shit's nasty it's I mean it's chemo like that's really what it is is it's chemo um you're just filling your body with shit and you know, coming to that house and seeing you laying on the bathroom floor, pretty much fucking lifeless multiple times, where you're just throwing up and can't get off the floor and having to try and pick you up and take you into the room, put you in the bed. Like, I still, like, what's so weird about those times too is like, I never looked at you and felt like this girl needs me, right? Like, I never felt that way. I never felt like you needed me. I just felt like things were better when we were together. You know what I mean? So it was like, I never, I never really felt like, I always knew you were so strong. I always knew you could, like, you could have handled those things on your own. I know that, right? Because you're so fucking hard-headed that you wouldn't have allowed yourself not to get through it, right? But I, it was just a matter, like, I knew when we were together, when we were doing those things, like, I leaned on you a lot before that happened. That like now was my turn. I wanted you to be able to lean on me. And that was the, that was the first time in my life that I actually like took on like responsibility. You know what I mean? Like the responsibility of like helping someone get through. And there was times where it's like, I didn't know what to fucking do other than be there. And what I've come to realize is that's all you can do sometimes Yeah, is be there. So, yeah, that was, that was definitely, like, it was a challenge, but it wasn't. You know what I mean? Like, that's the first thing that comes to mind. But at the end of the day, like, it wasn't really a challenge for me because it was like, this is what it is. You know, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not 
worried about it. So, yeah. I know. So you had the same answer to that? Yeah. What's your biggest, what's, what's the first? Pepsi. I feel like that that was definitely the biggest thing in the beginning. We've gone through countless things together. It's just been one thing after another, honestly. And we've continued to stay clean and sober through all of it, which is, is insane to me. But I feel like as every year has gone by, it's just been a different kind of thing that we've had to go through, you know? Yeah. I mean, there was, a, especially early on, I know there was a lot of, a lot of big things that came up that didn't, at the time, didn't feel like big things. Right. Obviously they're huge. Like they've, they've made a big impact and they still, you know, things that we're still dealing with today. But at the time, and even now, it's not. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of other things that I know we're gonna hit on um, in that in the second part, as far as like, hey, you know, having kids, yeah. you know, what that was like, right. um, the worries and the, what we thought the struggles right. and those kind of things, and then obviously becoming parents and the moving and the new jobs and the moving again and all that stuff. And I mean, there's so much that we've done in a kind of a short period of time that a lot of people don't. So I know we'll get into into more of that in the second part. But I mean, it's a true testament to the fact that I I try and say it often. You can start your life over at any point. At 31 years old, I got clean. I started having babies and I found the love of my life. And I'm telling you, like, I just never thought that that was going to happen. And to be able to do that later in life and starting a new dream uh, of things that I, I now want to do with my life. So it's never too late. Nope. No, it's never too late. Well, babe, I really appreciate you. Oh, I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Oh my gosh, I appreciate you. <laughs> we are going to have this be part one and then we will pick up um, part two next Tuesday. Yeah, we hate to be those people that are like, hey, next week, right? Next week, yeah, I mean, I I talk too much. Yeah, Yeah, so next week, make sure you guys tune in. We will hit on all all the wonderful, wonderful stuff in our life from, you know, from marriage up until today. You know, life isn't always beautiful. It's not always easy, but it's always worth it. And we'll, we'll hit on a lot of that stuff. So make sure that if you haven't yet, that you're following this so you'll get a notification when that next one comes out um and i know abby's probably said this before but if any of you that are listening if you ever need anything if there's anything you're struggling with um you know i know abby's always there to help but i am as well you know it's one thing that we we really truly enjoy is being able to help and guide other people whether we can help you or just listen to your bitch or really doesn't you matter. to help exactly yeah The quote this week that I chose, it is never too late to be who you might have been. George Eliot. Thanks, George. Be kind, be a good person, and take care of yourself. Until next Tuesday, guys. Thanks so much. Thanks, babe. Thank you. (laughs)